please open your Bibles to Ephesians. We will refer to the First Peter passage a little bit later. But we'll be looking at verses in Ephesians chapter 5. This is the third message on biblical foundations for the Christian home. This is also Lord's Supper Sunday. And so, well, are you going to do some sort of gyrations to make these passages fit to that? No, when we come to the Lord's table, we're coming to the foundation of everything. We can only love one another because he has first loved us. And because he has first loved us, we do love one another. And if you wanted to put one word to summarize all that God is calling us to in Christian marriage, obviously it has to do with love. And by this shall all men know that we're his disciples as we love one another. Father, we ask for the ministry of the Spirit of God upon us, that we would indeed hear the word of the Lord. And for this we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I've long had a feeling that in, a, in, in preaching, what God says is more important than what I'll say about what God says. So, this morning, a little bit more than usual, maybe, uh, it will be mostly what God says as we think about the foundations, biblical foundations for the Christian home. Let me remind you that this is for those of you who are married. This is for those of you who may one day be married. Uh, this is for those of you who are widowed or uh, say you're never going to be married. You live in a world where somebody's going to be married. And you're going to be working around people, living around people who need the truth of God's word. So there's sound reason for every one of us to listen carefully to what God says about Christian marriage. It's like so many things in our culture, uh, it's not given a thought. Uh, people marry and tell jokes and live lives uh, as if God doesn't exist. And of course, marriage from God's point of view is not even considered. So we've looked at the foundation of the new birth. Obviously, that's critical. We've looked at the foundation of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This morning, we want to look at the foundation of living by faith. So what does that mean? Well, I hope we can figure that out. Here in Ephesians 5 and 6, are words, specific words, for the church, for wives, for husbands, for fathers, for children, servants, masters. And we are to hear these words. We are to receive them. We are to heed them. We are to act upon them. We are to obey the word of God. And all of this, not primarily so that we can have good horizontal relationships, but because we want to please God. 
And the more our passion is to please God, the more we will find an overflow of that life making a, a vital difference in our earthly relationships. So things may not get better for you as you please God. Uh, Jesus has a way of just shocking us with the truth. Your enemies sometimes are those of your own household. Well, Jesus himself walked on earth and lived, in his, especially in his three years of public ministry, with an enormous amount of, of uh, negative energy and, and hatred being dashed out at him. So he must have been a very sad man. He must have always had a frown on his face. He must have always been going around wanting people to feel sorry for him. Oh, no. He was anointed with the oil of gladness above all others because he's living to please his father. And I often find people, and they say two things. Well, if you knew what was on my plate, you'd be, you'd be sad too. Or, I'm not Jesus. Or some, some excuse to keep us from dealing with the reality that as a Christian, Jesus now lives within me to live through me the life he lived when he was on the face of the earth. A life of fellowship with the Father, which brings about a peace and a joy and a happiness that circumstances and people cannot conquer. And so if I'm in difficult circumstances with people, even those in family, and I'm not overflowing with joy, not the joy that, oh, I'm so glad this is happening, but the joy of the Lord flowing through you and the privilege of being his servant in the midst of it all, then, then I'm on the wrong, I'm, I'm keyed up wrong. Uh, again, f living by faith is, again, one of those words where sometimes we, we uh, limit ourselves. Uh, it's great, what a great testimony the man George Mueller has been for centuries now. Uh, a, a great man of faith. I don't believe he ever said that of himself. But he prayed and never asked for funds, and, and money came in to support uh, many, many, many orphans and so much more. And many times when we start talking or preaching about faith, we go to illustrations where somebody is asking for money or believing God for money, or, and it can be for the best project in the world. Uh, I think many of you may remember that many years ago, uh, when, when we first came here, there was a tape being passed around about uh, living by faith, and uh, you know, you just the more you give, the more you'll receive, and all like that. And and I'm 30 years old, and and I'm wanting to demonstrate to this congregation that I'm living by faith, and so sincerely uh, left a visitor, left left visiting in a home. Of, a couple that had some children, and it was 95 degrees outside, and wasn't much cooler on the inside. They didn't have an air conditioner, so I went to Gibson's Furniture and got a nice big air conditioner and had it delivered to them because I believed that God was going to provide the money for it. It took me a long time to pay off that. But I'm so glad that God taught me through that difficult experience that 
Faith is not just about getting something, and we cannot use faith to connive God into something. The best lessons on faith are all through the Bible, but they are, they are put together in Hebrews chapter 10. And in that chapter, uh, we find words like, Noah moved with fear in obeying the Lord. Uh, by faith, Abraham obeyed. And so they received instruction from God. They took action. They started down the path of obedience. Living by faith is believing God. It's believing what he says. It's receiving what he says. It's heeding what he says. It's acting upon what he says. It's obeying the word of God. Because we want to please God. Not because we hope things get better. Now hallelujah, many times they do get better here on earth. But they always get better in your soul. So, church members, brothers and sisters, you who are born again. uh, In the first 21 verses of Ephesians 5, there are a number of exhortations for us to believe, to act upon. And maybe we can deal with that at a different time, but we want to get to verse 21 to the climax of it, of that whole section. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God, because that's the key verse to understand what comes after that. Before there's any word about submission one to another in the family life or any other relationship, we start out submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. Any series of messages that puts the word submission as being only for the ladies is totally off base. The, the, the ground, the, the, the foundation in Christian living and relationships one with another, we start from a position of being right with God, submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. So how do, we, how do we do that? By receiving, by heeding the specific assignments that God has given us. And in the rest of this chapter, uh, there are words of specific assignment for wives, husbands, and so forth. So looking in your Bibles, hope you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. Here, is, here are specific assignments for wives, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. You know, it's interesting in our culture, the dynamics of our culture has almost, we could say, decreed. Uh, we'll just back up for a minute and just say the dynamics of our culture for many people, the reality is this uh, out of necessity or out of whatever, multitudes of women go to work in an office or or construction place or factory. And what do they do? They submit to somebody else. Many times it's another man or it could be another woman. But, But then when we get to our homes, we we sort of get squimish and we uh, we don't like this word and but there at the workplace, we have to do it because we want a paycheck. 
uh, nobody's offering you a paycheck when you submit to your husband. Well, not in dollars and cents, but if we want to please the Lord. So in verse 22 again, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Even though this is directed to the wives, there's a strong word there for the husband. You're to be unto her as unto the Lord. Jesus Christ is not a taskmaster. Uh, Jesus Christ is not uh, somebody who is harsh or mean or uncaring. Uh, Now, regardless of what your husband is like, God doesn't change his assignment for you. So the husband is the head of, uh, for the husband, husbands are the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, verse 24, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 33, and the wife shall see to it that she reverences her husband. Colossians 3.18, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Now, in the Peter passage that was read, at this point reading just the first six verses, and reading it from what I would call more like a paraphrase, but it is true to the essence of uh, a good translation. First Peter chapter 3. In the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, then even if some refuse to obey the gospel... Your godly lies will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. This is not an absolute guarantee, but there's, if they're going to be won, uh, one of the strong weapons in the, the toolkit of evangelism is those who are in places where they are under authority manifesting a Christ-like spirit is very powerful. Don't be concerned about outward beauty, the beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, beautiful clothes. Verse 4, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. So we come back to what, what the, the main issue here is how we're relating to God. And, and dear lady, you may, or some lady friend you know, may be struggling because they're living with a very difficult man. Well, if you focus on his failures, you're likely to be discouraged for the rest of your life. But if you focus on the privilege of being one who is precious in God's sight... You may still have tears, but you'll have joy unspeakable. And you can lay down your head at night and say, thank you, Jesus. So, pause here. What are some proper responses? If you are a lady here this morning or listening in, what would be some proper responses to the words of Scripture that we've just read? What about thanksgiving and gratitude to God for the wisdom of his word. Wouldn't that be a good place to begin? 
being thankful to God for the wisdom of his word. What about faith, acceptance, obedience to the word? A faith response to the word. This is God's word. I don't know how it's going to work out. That's one of the testimonies in Dr. Ed Wheat's book, Love Life for Every Married Couple. Couples giving testimony after testimony in difficult places who come to the point of owning God's assignment for them and doing it as an act of worship to the Lord and saying, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to honor God. And then, uh, thirdly, what about receiving your assignment as your God-given way to please the Lord, who's always worthy? You, you get, uh, you shoot yourself in the foot, and, and it's, there's only one way to overcome the natural tendency to focus on the failure of your spouse or the failure of the person who's over you in some job or whatever, because you're, you're confronted with it day and night. How can you overcome it? How can you keep from being destroyed? All energy for following the Lord just is sapped right out of you as you're focusing on their failure. Well, what about receiving your assignment as your God-given way to please the Lord? He is always worthy. Now again, this is what Jesus did. He was focused on pleasing his Father. And we're called to walk in his steps and also praying for enabling grace. Okay, ladies, you can rest for a minute. Husbands, tune your ears up. It's time for you and I as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 31. Husbands, love your wives even as. Circle that, underline it, mark it, put a star there. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Going down to Ephesians 5.33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. That's an interesting differentiation in the spiritual battles that go on uh, in, with husbands and wives. If the husband has a wife who's off-center, off-base, difficult, all the rest, I don't know that uh, we could say that a wife would never become bitter. I've certainly seen wives bitter. But the specific warning of the Spirit of God is for husbands do not be bitter against him. Just, just think for a moment. What if Jesus 
in the midst of your failure to honor him, to love him, or my failure to honor him, or, or, or in a time when we have just turned our back on him or have brought shame to his name, what if Jesus got bitter toward us? Would you like that? I, I don't want that. If there's ever a time when I need God's compassion, his long-suffering, his mercy, it's when I failed him. Husband, do you think your wife has failed you? Doesn't change your assignment. But you and I are given a warning. Bitterness is not a part of your assignment. Talking about her, and this goes for both husbands and wives, talking about them to somebody else is not a part of the assignment. Do not become bitter against them. And then in First Peter, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. Oh, there's a mountain behind that word. You need to know, try to understand who she is. And I don't like jokes about marriage. Marriage is sacred. Uh, don't ever send me uh, by email or by anything else this so-called book that's about the highest or revised version of uh, trying to understand a woman. Uh, we could make one bigger trying to understand a man. That's pointless. Might get a laugh, but it doesn't accomplish the will of God. If there are things that you don't understand, make it your business to cry out to the Lord for understanding. Instead of being problematic, be focused on God show me the solution in my heart. If she never changes, Lord change me. Because what's important is that she and others around me see Jesus. So, do not become bitter. And then in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean that you can beat her in arm wrestling. I hope you can, or maybe you can, or it doesn't matter. But it does mean that she's not a plastic plate. Here, catch it. She's fine china. Not that she's touchy, but she's valuable. Extremely valuable. And so, again, as we see, we, we start dealing with one another, we deal on this level, and we leave God out. And then wonder what the problem is. Sir, you and I have an assignment. To live with her, make it our business to understand what she's going through, how she's feeling. She may not see something the way you see it. But pray for understanding. Live with her according to knowledge. And honor her as a precious one who is joint heir with you in the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. You know, most every couple that I've ever dealt with that will say to me, the husband says to me, well, I don't think she's saved. And I talk to the wife, I don't think he's saved. 
It's interesting how that works out. Now, I don't know what we think we're accomplishing by uh, trying to play God and the Holy Spirit in the other person's life. We don't do very, very well as... I know we're to judge people by their fruit, but we need to most of all look in the mirror and let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God judge the fruit of our life. If I'm truly burdened that my spouse is not a Christian, that spouse should be living with the most godly, joyful, peaceful, loving, compassionate, long-suffering spouse on the planet. Instead of going around telling people this and this and this and this, trying to get pity, trying to justify your failure. You see how different God's ways are? So you must be born again. You must be filled with the Spirit. You must be living by faith, believing, acting upon the Word of God. So what's a, what's a proper response there? Well, gratitude, thanksgiving, for the wisdom of God. We're seeing from the Word of God a way of life, a way of responding to life, is radically different from the culture. It's radically different from the Christian culture. But it's in sync with the Word of God. Then faith acceptance, obedience to the Word of God, crying out for grace. Lord, I've not been on this path. Receiving your assignment as your God-given way to please the Lord who is also worthy. Now, the passage goes on to talk about children and parents where there are God-given assignments. One of the reasons that you know that the epistles uh, are to be read and studied in a congregational setting is because there are assignments for everybody. And so here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. And that being said, and that being the word of God, uh, I'll, I'll make this statement as my understanding. You, you study the scripture and be persuaded, and if need be, correct me. Uh, but I don't see a guarantee here that you're just going to have a life that's at ease if you obey your parents. You will have a life at ease from the conflict that comes from rebellion. You will have a life of ease that keeps you from the tragedies that develop in your life if you go down a road of rebellion. Been many people, maybe young men more than ladies, who escaping the environment of their home that they didn't like and escaping authority joined the army. So they go from that authority to another authority. Or they get under the authority of the gang or the in crowd. You, 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 don't, you don't live life in isolation, you, the, and you're going to always be dealing with authority. The question is, is it good authority? Is it godly authority? And so, 
there are a number of ways that, yes, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long upon the earth, but regardless of how many years you live, when we're walking in obedience, we're walking in faith to God, there's something called a clear conscience that's worth having. There's something called avoiding incredible amounts of conflict because you're right in the center of God's will. And if there's going to be any conflict, the other person's going to be doing it and not you. This is not meant to bind you up, but to put you in a place of freedom. And ye fathers. Now there are scriptures that talk to us about the role of both parents, husband, um, mothers and fathers, and all of that. But it's interesting that in this Ephesian passage, the focus here is ye fathers. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Well, if my focus in child training is not bringing the child up in the nurture, the care of the Lord, and the admonition, the training, the discipline training of the Lord, guess what? Guess what you're going to have? You're going to have conflict, and there's going to be a growing likeliness that the husband or the father will get angry and will try to win by force, by force of his mouth, by force of grabbing and shaking, and so forth and so on. Uh, this is written to Christian people. Let's not be so snobby and to think, well, that might be needful for the Ephesians, but not me. I think if we're honest, we have to humble ourselves and and say, this is, this is what I need as a parent or as a grandparent or something to be better equipped to share with people in my world. Colossians 3, 20 and 21, children obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. 21, fathers provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. What's the response? Thanksgiving, gratitude for the wisdom of God, acceptance, receiving our assignment, prayer for enabling grace. Faith is acting upon the word of God in obedience. Faith that is not expressed with obedience to the Holy Spirit, breathed out word of God, is not Christian faith. Jesus said, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Living by faith has to do, plain and simple, with taking God at his word and heeding it. Reading it, heeding it, believing it, obeying. Maybe as the, maybe the occasion calls for what it did with Noah, moving with fear, moving with godly reverence and, and godly alertness. I need to take action. This is my assignment. It's not only why do you call me Lord, Lord, but if you love me, keep my commandments. True Christian faith issues forth in the fruit of obedience to the word of God by the power of the indwelling spirit. It's a result of being born again. It's a result of the overflowing of being filled with the spirit. A humility of heart is very much involved in all this. Isaiah 66, verse 5, Thus says the Lord, 
To this man will I look, to this woman will I look, to this child will I look. My eyes are drawn to, even to him that is of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. We live in a world of opinions. We live in a world where people want us to take their word. Many times, if I'm going to be in, I've got to take their word. If I'm going to get the job, I may have to take their word. I may have to take their position. Blessed is the man or the woman or the young person who is humble of heart, contrite of spirit, and his or her authority is the word of God. So I'm going to be reading the word of God, heeding the word of God, obeying the word of God, trembling at his word, not because God is out to get me, but because God is God and he is worthy. Well, again, I just want to say if they would straighten up, life sure would be fine. And if they don't straighten up, then I'm justified in my anger and resentment and bitterness and criticism and depression. That might be the American way, but it's not God's way. Loved ones may indeed mistreat us, persecute us, whatever. But none of that, listen carefully. Loved ones may mistreat us, persecute us, cause sorrow, pain, and tears, but they have no power to steal our joy. Go home and read the little epistle to the Philippians. It's a joy-filled book, but it was not a pain-free book. It was not a trouble-free book. All kinds of bad things were happening. None of the stuff that can happen has the power um, to cause us to lose our joy, to cause us to lose hope, because we're living for God's pleasure. We're living to honor him. In reality, when these things are put on our plate, what is God doing? He's giving us an opportunity to manifest the Christian life. Jesus is pretty plain about that in Matthew chapter 5. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. We're talking about assignments here. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? Wow. And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans the same? Jesus walked on this earth and he was all around enemies and being bombarded by enemies and he never lost his joy. He never got off focus. He was able to accomplish all of his father's holy will. We need to get off these excuses and these lies from the devil. 
Some of us are in good circumstances this very moment to manifest the life of Jesus Christ. And the Lord's table is fresh motivation to do it. Because we're reminded this is how our salvation came about. Jesus left heaven, came down here, was tempted and tested in all points as we, was single-minded. Oh yes, he, he came to lay down his life for people. He came to, to be kind to people. He, he went about doing good and, and so many things. But none of that was conditioned on what they were doing. It was all as an act of worship to his father. Who was always worthy. And that Matthew passage was how you to treat your enemies. Well, how are we to treat one another? Romans 12. Again, recompense no man evil for evil. Avenge not yourselves. Give place to wrath, that is, leave the field clear for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. You know, this makes life a lot simpler, doesn't it? There's a lot of things I don't have to do. I don't have to get in the payback business. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. You'll heap coals of fire on him. Boy, I'd like to do that. Well, no, that's not what it's meaning. He's talking about the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. Because they know that they don't deserve that kind of love. In verse 21, do not, what is one of the greatest dangers in your life and mine as a Christian? is to be overcome with evil. It lurks everywhere. From within and from without. The heart is wicked and deceitful above all things and who can know it? Everywhere we turn, we face evil. And so the, the word is plain. Do not be overcome of evil. We can't live in a vacuum. So what does it say? But overcome evil with good. Isn't that simple? Your flesh will scream. But this is where peace is. This is where fellowship with the Lord is sweet. This is where we sense in our spirit, well done. This is where the joy of the Lord is set free to flow. Walking by faith in obedience to these scriptures by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit yields good fruit. And life will be simple. For you only have one thing to do. Please Jesus. And he doesn't leave us in a quandary about what that means. We've just taken verses from two chapters and he's laid it out very plainly. Live to please Jesus, to keep ourselves in the steps of Jesus. Won't be pain, painless, but it will be simple. It will be freeing, and the joy of the Lord will flow. And may the Lord's table be fresh reminders to flood us with gratitude 
that Jesus understands fully what it's like to live in the midst of evil. And to have enemies and have people who fail you and have even your best friends who let you down. Those things hurt. And the enemy would like to take them and get us off focus. Lord, I've got one assignment here to please you. To walk in your steps. To walk my own Calvary road. In the steps of Jesus. Our Father, we thank you for your amazing love and mercies to us. And we thank you for the miracles that flow as we live by faith. Not only on behalf of the Christian home, but in all the areas of our lives. To live by faith, to live in obedience, to live being moved with fear, to take action, to obey the word of God. We thank you for the plain and profound words, even from this portion that we've looked at today. We thank you for the resurgence of going forward in these paths as we heed the word today and as we meditate at the Lord's table and be astounded that even while we were yet your enemies, you laid down your life. And Father, we bless you and thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen.